Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com Shapiro. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com Shapiro. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. CarShield.com slash Shapiro. That's CarShield.com slash Shapiro. Days after three American soldiers were murdered by Iran, the Biden administration has finally retaliated by firing missiles into Iraq and Syria, where they made scary exploding noises so loud the Iranians could almost hear them all the way in Iran. And boy, oh boy, wouldn't they have been frightened then. State Department spokesman John Kirby said the U.S. warned the Iranians that something really scary was going to happen in Iraq and Syria so that the Iranians would be so frightened they'd have to stay in Iran where it was safe. Kirby said, quote, my hope was the Iranians would scream in terror and we could laugh at them and say they sounded like women. You can bet they wouldn't like that very much. So it would be quite some time before they thought about murdering any more of our soldiers. Believe you me, unquote. Later, Kirby changed his story and said the State Department had not warned the Iranians before the attack, and the fault lay with CBS News, who had publicized the upcoming attacks after receiving a press release about them from the State Department. President and venal houseplant Joe Biden made a statement about the retaliatory attacks in a speech to several statues in the Capitol Rotunda, whom he mistook for other long-dead people he thought he'd been talking to recently. Biden said, quote, These meaningless attacks on places far from Iran are just the first of many meaningless attacks we plan to unleash on faraway places, like maybe Texas. I hate those people. The Iranians will just have to live in fear because they will never know where or when the next meaningless attack will fall on someplace far away until the very moment when we warn them about it to make sure they're safely in Iran. As president, this is the most difficult decision I've ever had to make because it means people will die. All right, not die, but you know what I mean. They would die if one of these missiles hit them, although I don't see how that could possibly happen, so that made the decision somewhat easier. But don't for a minute think that military action is our only planned response to Iran. We're also letting them build nuclear weapons, so we won't be able to attack them anymore because they'll have nuclear weapons, and those things are really dangerous. Then, when we don't attack them, they won't be mad at us, and we'll stop murdering our soldiers. So problem solved. Also, we'll make sure not to put any more sanctions on them so they can make a lot of money selling oil, which makes sense because nuclear weapons are expensive, and if they can't afford them, the whole plan falls apart. After that, we're going to draw a line in the sand, probably in the desert in Syria somewhere, near where we fired all the missiles, to let them know we will not tolerate their killing any more Americans unless they just want to cross our southern border and kill them here. Then I don't know how we could possibly stop them. All in all, I am telling you this is a great victory just like in Afghanistan, when we retreated in humiliating chaos, and I then told you it was a great victory. So this is a victory just like that, unquote. In the same speech, according to one of the statues who was there, the president also reiterated his support for his vice president, saying, quote, 
I didn't just appoint this historic sort of black person, Kamala or Kamala or whatever the hell she calls herself. I also love her and her hair smells great. So she, she's, she's on the team. Unless I'm still alive in November, then I got to dump her because no one can stand her. But that seems unlikely because I'm hardly alive as it is, unquote. The spokesman for the Iranian military, Mohammad Jihad, Mohammad Jihad, 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 Mohammad, responded to the president's threats by saying, quote, Americans can sleep soundly in their beds tonight, knowing that we will be shaking in our boots as we creep quietly into their bedrooms. I hope this will reassure them so they don't do anything dangerous, like reelecting Donald Trump. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. We are back laughing our way through the end of everything we hold dear. Things have now gotten so bad. You know, I promised myself I wasn't going to constantly plug my substack with my son, Spencer Clavin. No relation where he and I write essays about and talk about faith in the modern world and how we can restore our faith. And But things have gotten so bad that I think I will just, because people love it. And it's really, here's one comment. I'm just reading this comment. I didn't write this. It says, reading these conversations is helping me so much on my own journey towards God. I feel as though I've spent so much of my life lost and drifting in a vast, empty ocean tossed around by rogue waves, and only now have I found something solid to grab onto. I look forward to each and every letter, every insight showing me something I've been searching for for a long time. So if you're feeling that, oh, I don't know, like the culture, (laughs) the country is falling to pieces, you might want to come over to the New Jerusalem. It's thenewjerusalem.substack.com, thenewjerusalem.substack.com, and also subscribe to my YouTube channel, the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. This is my specific one, not the Daily Wire one. This is mine. It's exclusive content that we will send to your door, uh, wrapped in the shed skin of uh, Joe Biden. And because <laughs> he reached the point where he just has to do that to stay alive. Uh, we have all kinds of content there. Also, we put the stuff that's also on the sound, the audio feed. We have our interviews there every month, Wednesday. Uh, this last week, we had former Trump statistician Jeffrey Anderson talking about the numbers and the election and everything. And this week, we have actors uh, Kevin Sorbo and Rick Rick Schroeder, uh, often called Ricky Schroeder. They both have new cultural enterprises where they're trying to change the culture from independent places, which I'm really excited about and interested in. So I'll talk to them about that. Also, uh, if you leave a comment on YouTube and it sounds like you're ranting and raving and don't know where you are, we will elect you president of the United States, or we will just leave your comment, read your comment on the air as if you were president of the United States. Today's comment comes from TPOM8OF. I, I, that's what it says. It says, the big question is, who pushed Clayton <laughs> down the stairs? One, Elmo. Two, Mrs. Clavin. Three, Michael Knowles. Four, all of the above. I, you know, I, I can't say for sure. He was red and furry and did have a high-pitched giggle, so it was probably Knowles. All right, let, let's get to today's episode. Snow job in Moscow, crap storm in D.C. We're going to talk about Biden, obviously, the end of the Biden presidency, which happened last night, and Tucker and Putin. You know, I always tell you that I give you Putin, uh, I give you tomorrow's news today, but I didn't know how right I was and how quickly it was going to come upon us last week. I told you we had that the old American order was coming to an end, and last night it did. I was, I'm glad I didn't predict that we were going to be hit by a meteor. Uh, so let's get right to it. Chapter one. 
absolutely everybody sucks completely. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com Shapiro. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com Shapiro. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. CarShield.com slash Shapiro. That's CarShield.com slash Shapiro. So let's recap. I want to go back to what I was talking about last week and open up the thought a little bit so at least we get some perspective on this because otherwise it's just a tragic comedy of immense proportions. Last week, I was talking about the fact that the baby boom generation is coming to an end and all the orders that were put in place by them and really by their predecessors as well are also coming to an end. The the sort of world order that we've all been used to, the American order that we've all been used to, and the American argument. And I was pointing out that if indeed this election comes down to a choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, which it may not, but right this minute it seems to be, so they're representative of where the sides are and where the political process is, that Joe Biden and the woke regime represent the end, the failure of the great society, this attempt that the baby boomers made through Lyndon Johnson. They were going to solve the problem with blacks falling behind whites. They were going to solve the problem of inequality in the country. Everything was going to be great. And so they instigated this great society, which was just a massive number of welfare programs that the right said was going to destroy black families. And it then did destroy black families. And all of those things have gotten worse and worse. And so their answer, because they live off the money that comes in through taxes into those uh, welfare states, and that's how they buy votes from people who think that they're getting uh, that they're doing them a favor. They won't won't get rid of them, so they had to call you racist for opposing them. Had to, if you said this is going to be bad for black people to be made dependent on the government and for poor people in general, then you were racist. And they just kept saying that. Now that they failed entirely, that nothing has changed, they're now using this basic racist. Jim Crow in reverse, where they say we're hiring people because because they're black. And that's, you know, we're going to be, we're going to damn white male heterosexual people and all the abnormal people are going to take over the world because they've been oppressed so long. That's just the failure. That's that's when, when you throw aside all your principles to try and make the numbers work through equity. That just shows that you're all, everything you've done has failed. And, and Trump, is also the end. He also represents the end of something. This, by the way, has nothing to do who you vote for, who you like, who you want to be in office. I've, I've said before, if it's Trump versus Biden, I'll vote for Trump as many times as I can get away with it. But he also represents the end of something because he is all, he's the empty gestures of conservatism. This is the conservatism that wanted to bring the country back 
to basically the pre-welfare state. They used to say of Ronald Reagan, he didn't want to repeal the New Deal. He wanted to repeal the Great Society. And that's kind of true. They get rid of all this stuff that the government does for you. Remember the, the Barack Obama thing where they were going to take care of you from cradle to grave. And that way you didn't need a family. You didn't need anything except the government. You just needed the government. And conservatives have been trying to dial that back now for many, many, really since FDR. And they failed. And now... They want those things. They don't want Social Security to go away. Conser- people who vote Republican, who are conservatives, they don't want those programs to go away. They're living off them. They're dependent on them, too. And so Trump is promising not to get rid of them, but he sounds like a conservative. He sounds defiant, and he sounds blunt, and he sounds like he's saying all the stuff that he's supposed to say. So he, too, is, is the end of something, not a new philosophy, not a new way of going forward. And so last night, the end just played out right in front of our eyes. I mean, you probably know the background of the story, the special counsel report, Robert Hur on Biden's mishandling of classified documents came out. And Hur says, yes, Biden knowingly lifted classified docs and kept them in, a, in all over the place in offices and kept them a lot of them in a broken box in a corner of his garage in Delaware, which means he lied when he said that they were in there with my beautiful Corvette and it was all locked away and secure. He lied about that. He shared them uh, with his ghostwriter on the book Promise Me Dad, which was his last attempt to parlay his son's death into political capital. I I didn't, I'm happy I didn't say that out loud, but that's what it was. And uh, he shared, them. he let his ghostwriter see him. He swore he didn't do that. He swore last night he didn't do that, but the investigation says he does. And the report says, well, he's not as bad as Donald Trump because Donald Trump is mean and he wouldn't turn over the docs and no, you know, which is a little attenuated. I, I do believe that Trump acted like a jerk in that case. It's the one case where I think they have anything really on him. But still, it's it's a very, very similar set of circumstances. And then the guy here goes on to say, well, no jury would convict him at trial. Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did doing, during our interview of him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor, poor memory. So apparently Biden didn't remember when his son died. Bo died within several years It's not like he didn't remember whether it was June or March. He didn't remember within several years. He didn't remember when he was vice president. He kept saying, was I vice president then? And then it was... And when he wasn't, when he got out, he didn't remember who were his allies when he was, you know, in the Obama administration. And the prosecutor says it would be difficult to convince a jury that they should convict him by then a former president well into his 80s of a serious felony that requires a mental state of willfulness, of willfulness, of willfulness. So basically he said he can't even think straight enough to have willfully committed the crime he committed. So let's just let him get back to being the leader of the free world. So this is a, this is a disaster, like right away. Right away, everybody is looking at this going, uh, and they tried to say, oh, well, her was a, a Trump appointee. He was under Christopher Ray. He was no Trump appointee. And, and it was not, it was this Justice Department that made him a special counsel. So he's no Trump uh, shill or anything like that. And first, the de- <laughs> Democrats tried to spin it as a win. They were going like, hey, he's not guilty by reason of senility. This is great. And then they realized that. Well, Rachel Maddow, I, it wasn't just Rachel Maddow. It was like the Three Stooges on MSNBC, and it is MSNBC. I always cut them a little slack because they're leftists, so we know they're idiots, but they're trying to make it sound like it's Republicans are pouncing. This is a little clip. 
Age is the central narrative question here that this all revolves around in terms of its political repercussions, the way the news happened today, the questions being asked him multiple by multiple figures there. And in the end, what makes it such a useful political tool for people that want Donald Trump to be elected or want him not to be reelected is that the fact of his age is not something you can rebut. Mm-hmm. He can't be, you can't tack to, if someone says you're too far left, you can tack to the center. You, you, there's no, the man is 80 years old. He rides a bike. He, he, I like, but he is the age he is. And, and so it's, it's, it's a very useful political attack for that reason. Let's bring- he rides a bike. Why can't he? <laughs> why can't he? I shouldn't laugh, but the tragedy and comedy are very close together. He rides a bike, so why shouldn't he be able to run the country? You know, it's kind of the same thing. You just keep moving your feet <laughs> in circles. So none of that was playing. None of that was going anywhere. So someone somewhere in the bowels of someplace decided that the thing to do to show the country that this man is in full control of his wits was to have him give a press conference. So he gives the most disastrous press conference in the history of disasters. You know, it was like the Hindenburg. He said, it's just, it was just awful. And he starts out, he's fine, because he always has a little bit of gas in him. Uh, and then he just starts to flub things. He said that the president of Egypt was the president of Mexico, which explains why he's having a hard time. I'm sorry. explains why he's having a hard time closing the border. Because he just doesn't know where it is. And then here's, here's another one where he's reassuring the country that he's the president of all the people. This is clip 17. When I said, when I we pushed all these programs, I said, I'm going to be a president for everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. <laughs> green states. The green states where all the tre- trees, where all the trees are. And the pink states where we put the gay people, like Rhode Island. <laughs> and we have the brown states. That's where we're going to put the black folks. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. My favorite was this. A, finally, a reporter. I don't know where she was from. I think she was from CNN, but I'm not sure. She asks, remember, Biden keeps saying, you know, you think I've, my memory's gone? Just watch me. So here's what she asked. Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Watch Many American people have been watching and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your is judgment. That is not the judgment of the press. <laughs> he thinks he's so senile. He actually believes what the media is saying about him. I mean, that is really bad. Apparently, it's like, it's like watching that guy in The Simpsons. Old man yells at Cloud, you flew over my press conference, you Cloud. According to The Washington Post, he apparently went backstage and also had a temper tantrum saying, uh, how the F could I forget when my son died? I remember everything. Trump puts out a social... So, a truth social post in all capital letters. So we got old men screaming at each other. He says, this is a two-tier justice system, which is true because, you know, of all the indictments, I, I think the indictments against Trump are just absolute nonsense, except for this one, because he did break the law. And what's wrong with this one, the one where he's charged with mishandling classified documents, is not that he didn't do it. He obviously did it. And he also was irascible, wouldn't hand them over because he's a jerk. And he wouldn't hand them over to the Justice Department but the thing that makes that unfair is that they didn't do it to Hillary Clinton when she stole them and, and to Joe Biden now. So here he's making his response. This is clip 18. The world is in tremendous danger. We're in danger of possibly a World War III. And we have a man who's absolutely the worst president in the history of our country. Can't put two sentences together. He's not going to be able to negotiate with Putin or Xi or Kim Jong-un, North Korea. Not going to be able to negotiate with anybody. 
All he knows how to do is drop bombs all over the place, meaningless bombs, except they kill a lot of people. It costs a lot of money. Every time you see a bomb, it's another million dollars, and it actually sets us back. We have peace through strength. This should not be happening. Now, I'm sorry, but I do not see, I've been saying this for months, right, that I don't think that Biden can be the nominee, and I just don't see how he can be. I think Trump is going to, I'm not even sure. I, I got to be honest, and don't hold me to this. This is just a sort of feeling in the back of my head. I'm not 100% certain Trump's going to be the nominee. But if he is, I think anybody else is going to give him a hard time. And I don't see how it, I don't see how they can keep Biden in place. They may be telling themselves they can, but that was a, a genuine disaster for him. And it seems to me, you know, sometimes when you want to understand your opponents, let's not call them our enemies, but our opponents, you, have, you put yourself in their mindset. And I could see if they are so afraid of Donald Trump that the Justice Department, which basically is now the corrupt arm of the deep state, feels they can control this, just like James Comey did. They're going to make everything all right. They're going to put Trump in prison so he can't be elected. And now they're going to just get it out there like Comey did with Hillary, where he got out her corruption, but he didn't indict her. Now they're going to get it out there, the fact that Biden is, is obviously on the far side of well. He is not doing well. So th- this is speculation on my part, but I just think that this is what the Justice Department is doing. They're just basically saying, look, the voters aren't getting this right. We're going to get it right for them. So, you know, this, like I said, when you have the end of something, when you have something that is coming to an end, that means something's going to begin. So there are different kinds of ends. So like, for instance, there was the end of the Roman Republic, followed by 50 years of the Roman Empire, the first 50 or 60 years of the Roman Empire, pretty good. You were actually more free in the first years of the Roman Empire than you were at the end of the Republic. And then, of course, there's the end of the Roman Empire when you actually get a thousand years of darkness as in, the, in the Middle Ages, you know, and there's the end of Europe with World War I and World War II where the Europe culture just ends. But at the same time, America takes on the burden of being the West and and rises up. And the end of each thing is the beginning of something else. And who is going to make the new thing? The new thing is going to be made by powerful people, by, you know, what they call the vanguard, intellectuals, soldiers, conquerors, you know, politicians, all those kind of people. But our power, the power that we have is the power of the culture because they have to play into the culture. That's one of the things that Augustus did when he destroyed the Roman Republic by pretending that he was just the president and just the first citizen working with the Senate and basically playing to the natural conservatism of conservatives in the Roman Republic. And if if you'll notice, and this is just my own observation, but I think it's really true. One of the things you can tell is that the way people when, when things are going like this, when things are crumbling, and, and this is really a failure of our government. Our government is really in, in a free fall of incompetence and just uh, stagnation and division and stupidity and corruption. I mean, that's where our government is right now. And people start to think, well, what do we want going forward? What do we need? And you'll notice that they divide almost entirely along inherited religious lines, even if they themselves are not religious you're going to see certain strains. So like Protestants are going to believe we're going to be saved by individual excellence and ethnic unity, um, you know, and maybe they will need that unity forced on us by a red Caesar. That's what they call it. You know, a conservative Caesar is going to come along and force us to to all be good. And Jews kind of like uh, classical liberalism and the destruction of our enemies wherever they appear, just go find them and kill them. And Catholics will believe we'll be saved by a centralized authority with a religious 
tint to it. They call it the common good, but it smells a lot like the Vatican. Me personally, I think nobody's going to save us but Jesus. And if he's on the way, he hasn't told me about it. But really, our power is to figure out what it is we believe, who it is we are, who we want them. You know, the people can, leaders can only lead you where you want to go. They can only lead the people where they want to go. We have to decide where we want to go. And when we look around, absolutely everybody sucks completely. And it's very, very hard to know what's true because we're in the midst of this information crisis where we're getting this flood of information from everywhere. All of our leaders are lying. All of them are dishonest. All of the press is biased in every way. The main legacy press is incredibly dishonest. But there's lies all over the place. And a perfect example of this was Tucker Carlson's trip to Moscow to interview Putin. And that's what we'll talk about next. Today, my show is sponsored by Donors Trust, the principal tax-friendly way to simplify your charitable giving. Do you want to leverage private dollars to help those who've fallen on hard times? Maybe you donate to your place of worship or specific charities. Create a giving account that will enable you to give to your church and help you give to charities defending American prosperity and civil liberties like free speech. Maybe you believe, as I said during a speech at Hillsdale College, that everywhere speech is under threat. You have to speak up and fight back. That's the main thing, and everyone has the power to do it because everybody has the power to speak. Speak up with your charitable dollars. Let Donors Trust help. Donors Trust is a community of givers where everyone is committed to sharing his or her hard-earned dollars with nonprofits, making our nation a freer, more prosperous place. Visit DonorsTrust.org slash Clavin to download the Ultimate Survival Guide to Charitable Giving. Discover how a charitable investment account with Donors Trust could jumpstart your giving, reduce your taxable income, and save America. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Clavin to download their giving guide. Again, that's DonorsTrust.org slash Clavin. And of course, all true patriots know how to spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Chapter two, Putin on the Blitz. In the in the break between chapters, I asked uh, my producer, Danny, if it was all right for me to laugh about the end of the country. And he said, sure, you don't have to live in it that much longer. Uh, so, so Tucker Carlson goes to Moscow to interview, interview Putin. And again, this is this Red Caesar idea. On the right, there's this idea that's, that Putin kind of represents the kind of strong man we need to come and save us from the libtards. You know, he's, he's for the religion and he's for ethnic unity and he's for uh, bigotry and hating Jews and putting Muslims in He's everything, you know, we want, we want to see. That, and, that, and they see some of that in Putin because Putin is a very, very smart guy who plays into their desires. He, he knows what we're thinking here. He's got the internet just like we do. And he knows what they're thinking. He just says what you want to hear. Now, Tucker is the first American journalist. I want to set this up because I want to show you how this information crisis that we're in puts every, a fog all over everything. Tucker is the first American journalist to interview Putin since the Ukraine invasion. And Tucker says no one else has tried, but that's just not true. The, the Russians have said, yes, people have asked us, but we see no reason to communicate with these because, people because they hate us. But Tucker is different. Now, there's a reason. Here are some of the things, a little montage of some of the things that Tucker has said about Putin. Hard to see why he's a threat to us. I don't think Putin is well, comparable to Hitler. I we should probably take the side of, of, of Russia uh, uh, if we have to choose between Russia and Ukraine. It might be worth asking yourself, since it is getting pretty serious, what is this really about? Why do I hate Putin so much? Has Putin ever called me a racist? 
Has he threatened to get me fired for disagreeing with him? Does he eat dogs? These are fair questions, and the answer to all of them is no. Vladimir Putin didn't do any of that. So what's distorting about that, and I've, I've talked about the fact that I think Tucker has gone a little bit rogue, and what's distorting about that is Putin doesn't threaten to get you fired for disagreeing with him. He kills the people in his country who disagree with him, and sometimes he kills them even when, once they've left the country. He poisoned that uh, guy, Alexander uh, Litvinenko, with plutonium and others, you know, that guy rebelled against him. Yevgeny Prigozhin fell out of the sky when his wing suddenly fell off his plane. Alexei Navalny is an opposition guy. He tried to poison him and now he's put him in prison. So to say that he doesn't do these things to us, right? I understand. I understand that the, the regime here has censored us and silenced us and fired us and got HR departments to fire us for saying things that are untoward, like men can't become women, things that are true. And YouTube takes you off the air if you say things that are true. I get all that. But Putin is doing that. And so if a Putin were here, he would be doing it even worse. And remember, once they start to come after people, they'll get to you eventually. It doesn't really matter what side you're on in the, in the long run. So, so Tucker's wrong about that. And, but who did that montage? Who made that montage that I just showed you? Erin Burnett of CNN. I took it from one of her shows. Now, here's Erin Burnett of CNN interviewing Ukraine's Zelensky. Listen to this for a minute. Cut to. As a human being... So many people look up to you. They rely on you. No one can imagine how hard that is. Do you do, you do anything for your, to yourself? Are you ever able to take a minute to, to read or to listen to music or something to sort of give yourself that, uh, a moment? I have such moments, important, to be in silence, to be alone. Alone, uh, how can I be alone? Alone, I can be with music. I don't know. You, if you're not watching it, just listening, the look on Aaron Burnett's face, a woman looks at me like that, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm getting lucky tonight. It was, that was an embarrassing thing. So now you're looking at that. That's the regime press. That represents pretty much the coverage of the Ukraine war that we have gotten from the regime press, which is most of the press. I mean, Tucker is the outlier to this. So Tucker is saying one thing that is clearly untrue about Putin, and they're giving us that garbage, and we've sent $100 billion, not just the military aid, but in all the aid, it's over $100 billion. And they're now asking for $60 billion more. And you've got to be looking at that and thinking, I'm being played. I am being played for my money. We're trillions, $30 trillion in debt. We've got people storming, invading our country. How can we can't stop the invasion of our country at the southern border? And I got to spend money stopping the invasion on the, you know, you're, you're being lied to. You are being lied to by the regime. And so somebody who's against the regime comes across as, as very well. But remember, again, Tucker, who I used to like a lot more than I like him right now, he had Andrew Tate on and let Tate just sit there and lie about his abuse and use of women. Uh, he let Trump rumble on for an hour without asking him one challenging question. And absolutely everybody sucks completely. That is the problem we're facing. We do not have anybody we can trust. So here he goes to the Kremlin, and, and God love him. But by the time they finished, the, the EU was threatening to ban his travel. There was a story going around that Zelensky had put him on a kill list. That was a false story. Some organization there put him on a quote-unquote kill list, meaning people who don't like us, but that, there was no threat to him like that. 
but they're just saying, oh, he's committing treason. He's doing his job. This is his job. He should be there. He's doing the right thing to go if he can get that interview. And, and by the way, it got something. It's a two and a half hour interview, which I watched every second of it. He got like 100 million views. That is a good thing. The fact that there is now a challenging media to the regime media is a good thing. But that doesn't mean that they're telling you the truth either. So here's the start of this interview. He sits down with them and he says, why did we go into Ukraine? This is cut 20. Let's look where our relationship with Ukraine started from. Where did Ukraine come from? The Russian state started gathering itself as a centralized statehood. And it is considered to be the year of the establishment of the Russian state in 862, when the townspeople of Novgorod invited a Varangian prince, Rurik, from Scandinavia to reign. In 1862, Russia celebrated the 1,000th anniversary of its statehood. And in Novgorod there is a memorial dedicated to the 1,000th anniversary of the country. I'm sorry, what, what was the question again? Oh yeah, it was, why did you invade Ukraine? This goes on for 30 to 40 minutes. I mean, it is insane. He tells the entire history. It's like, a, you know, it's like, gather around me, children, and tell the story. And, and Tucker says, I thought for a minute he was filibustering me. Oh, really? <laughs> Come on. This is, I, Tucker looked to me like a mouse caught in the mesmerizing glare of a cobra. Remember, remember, this is a guy who has buzzsawed through three U.S. presidents. Remember George W. Bush? I looked into his eyes and I saw his soul. Here, I can work with him. I saw his soul. And remember Obama, tell Vlad, once I'm reelected, I won't have to worry about politics and I'll be able to pull all those naughty missiles out of your way. And then uh, Trump saying, oh, Putin was nice to me, so now I love Putin. I mean, this guy goes through people. He is a canny, KGB-trained thug. He's a gangster. And yes, he, when he turns around, he says, you people are corrupt. You're teaching perverse sexuality to children. You're, uh, you know, you arrest your political enemies on January 6th. Absolutely, absolutely. But Putin kills his enemies. He set terrorist explosions in, our, in Russian neighborhoods so he could coax the people. He killed like 100 people so he could coax the people into war in Chechnya. This guy is not Red Caesar. This guy is a problem. Now, here's what got me. Afterward, Tucker gave a sort of interview to himself, reacting to it. And he's just come away from, you know, it's, again, it's a big story. And he talks about his impressions. And he says, just to be clear, he says, you know, I'm still forming my impressions. It's going to take me a year before I figure out what I just heard. And here was the part that struck me. This is cut 22. The West rejected Russia. And maybe, you know, I'm not even taking sides in this. Maybe there were good reasons. I don't know what they, what they would be, but... Um, but in case the West was determined not to be allied with Russia, that's very obvious. That's the whole point of NATO, I guess, is to contain Russia. Um, and Putin is wounded by it. He's very upset about it. His eyes flashed uh, when we talked about that, as we did, you know, for probably over an hour. Um, he didn't have a coherent theory that he was willing to tell me anyway as to why that is. Um, Russia's not an expansionist power. Sorry. You're not supposed to say that because all the Tory and new ones and all the liars and ideologues who run the State Department um, want to make him into this, you know, Hitler, Imperial Japan. But the truth is that that's just false. So th that's very fractured history. OK, I mean, that is very 
strange history. It worries me because the U.S. did try to ally itself with Russia and to manage the fall of the Soviet Union um, at the start when Yeltsin took over and uh, was was kind of trying to coax Russia, Soviet, well, the former Soviet Union, into democracy. But Yeltsin was a drunk and he was an incompetent and he couldn't get it done. And at the same time, what was happening was this, because, because socialism is an inherently corrupt system. Socialism is inherently corrupt. It, it is it has good intentions, obviously, to bring about some kind of equality and raise us above mere filthy lucre and all. You know, I, I get it. But still, it, it's inherently corrupt because it pools all the money that people, other people create with the government. And what's going to happen then? Suddenly the government is going to vaporize and go away and all the money will be everybody's. But no, of course not. The government is just a bunch of people who love power. They love money. Now they've got money and power. They're never giving it up. They're never giving it up. They don't have to make it. They're just taking it from you. So it is an absolute slave system. When the Soviet Union fell, all that money was pooled essentially in the state. So all the businesses were owned by the state and all the profit that they made and whatever money they got and whatever productivity they had. And they started auctioning those things off. Now, they, the way they ran the auctions was incredibly corrupt. And they made it so that only the people that they wanted to could buy up these companies and buy up the money and get the money that they wanted. And of course, the gangsters, the mafia at the same time, who had been suppressed by a powerful government, because that's one of the benefits of tyranny, is it will suppress crime because the criminals just get killed. Now the mafia started rising up again, and they started killing people to get them out of the way so they could buy some of it, or, or they worked for the oligarchs who would buy the stuff up. And this basically became a, a gangsterocracy, a crookocracy, let's call it that. Now, who takes over? This is during the 80s and 90s, right? So who takes over a government, a, a, a country that's run by crooks is the biggest crook. The godfather takes it over. And that's basically who Putin is. Now, a lot of times people say it's a gangsterocracy. And there's some truth to that in the sense that these mafiosi, it's not like the mafia runs the country. That's, that would be false. But the mafia is used by the people who run the country to kill people who get in their way, to intimidate people, to go over into Ukraine and kill people. And this, this idea that, that Putin is somehow not expansionist is, I, Tucker's right. See, this is the thing. Tucker's right about the State Department. The State Department is filled with very, very intelligent, stupid people. I've talked to a lot of them. They're amazing. If you want to talk literature with them, if you want to talk history with them, if you want to talk public policy with them, they, they just know everything and their ideas are as dumb as wood. It's amazing. It's, it's because they're stuck in this room with a bunch of people exactly like themselves. They all have the same opinion. I once said to one of them, you know, a guy raking his leaves in a suburb of Rochester, New York, knew the communists was bad before you did. And his eyes went blank. He just went, absolutely went blank. But the thing is, that doesn't mean make Putin right. Putin has said, said that he's compared himself to Peter the Great, who went into Sweden. And Putin said, well, he wasn't invading Sweden. He was just returning. And that's essentially what he's saying about Ukraine. It's ours. We're going to take it back, whether Ukraine wants to give it back or not. And whether Ukraine is corrupt, whether there are Nazis there, whether we like them, all that stuff, it's still wrong to invade their country. That doesn't mean, I'm not saying we have to spend a billion dollars you know, for Zelensky. I'm just saying that still makes Putin a bad actor. And what the people on the right says, well, he's not doing drag queen story hour. 
And my question is this. If we hate Joe Biden because his regime tries to rig elections and censor free speech, how is a former KGB agent whose elections are completely fraudulent and who murders dissenting journalists and jails dissenters and rigs elections himself so they don't even exist, how is he the solution? How does that, you know, how how childish is it to not be able to see that there are enough asses in the world that everybody can have his head up one of them? You know, there don't have to be any good people. (laughs) The good people have to be us because... The rest of these people want power, they want money, they're in positions of power, they want fame, all these things that are happening at a different level than our ordinary lives. Do you want a tyrant who talks like you? Is that the idea? Is that the, is that the whole idea? All he has to do is say, oh, I believe in the Orthodox Church. You know, he believes in the Orthodox Church like I believe in, like, like I'm a Muslim, you know, he doesn't believe it. And that's another thing, by the way. Think about it for a minute, that if, if an Islamic Islamists were saying the things that Putin is saying. Oh, you people are corrupt and you have sexually corruption and you arrest your uh, political enemies. Would you then be saying, oh, good, I'll follow him? No, of course not, because you'd know what he believes. And you know what this guy believes, too. He believes in Putin. He believes in iron-fisted rule. He believes on having his boot on the neck of his opponents. You know, here's the thing. In this crisis, in this information crisis, and the crisis is a naturally caused one. We invented the internet. The internet is a good thing. But all this flood of information coming in, we cannot tell the good from the bad. And because the regime is failing, because the American system that we've had for the last 70, 80 years is failing, those people are incompetent and they're lying all the time. And so this flood of information, it's impossible to pick out the good from the bad. If you create a mental system where every election you lose is stolen, and Taylor Swift is a hologram being controlled by George Soros. But Putin is a wonderful guy, and every you know word that falls from his mouth is a golden droplet of truth. There is no way for information to get to you at all that will help you to change your mind and align your thoughts with reality. Everybody, absolutely everybody, sucks completely in a moment like this because the money's on the table, the country, the systems of the country are in a shambles, Everybody wants a piece of that action, just like when the Soviet Union fell. It's not that bad, but it's close. It's getting there. Everybody wants a piece, and everybody's out for himself. We have to develop trustworthy information outlets like us, and also in your own brain, you have to develop trustworthy information outlets that say, okay, this guy is bad, but is this guy good as well? So that our anger and our prejudice and our idolatry doesn't get in the way of our common sense, because once again, absolutely everybody sucks completely. No one likes to talk about life insurance, but it's incredibly important, and you need to include it in your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy to protect your family today and give yourself the peace of mind that comes with knowing that if something were to happen to you, your family could cover all their expenses while getting back on their feet. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks. I went on there. It is a really easy site to navigate. You already have a life insurance policy through work, but that might not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. You need a backup plan. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. When they make it this easy, there's no excuse not to do it. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another. You can trust 
their guidance. Save time and money and give your family a financial safety net with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com slash Clavin or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash, what's the word? Clavin. How do you spell that? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Chapter three, Mitch McConnell is a piggy bank. And I just want to talk a little bit about this border bill disaster because it shows you exactly what I'm talking about, that absolutely everybody sucks completely. There there are no good guys here. The the press is, is now working overtime to blame Republicans for the failure of this border bill. But I just want to start with this. Let's just take a look at a montage of what we have been hearing from the regime, from our government. Uh, Cut five. The border is closed. The border is secure. The border is secure. Uh, The border is closed. The border is secure. And the border is not open. We have a secure border. I can tell you the the border is secure. By what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. Uh, We're certainly uh, doing a lot more to secure the border. As you know, the president has done everything that he can. Uh, He's done that alone uh, without the help of Republicans. So that, that, by the way, is from our friends at Newsbusters, still one of the best sites on the internet. You remember, if you watch our interviews, we had Jeffrey Anderson on, and he uh, is from the American Main Street Initiative, and he wrote this in City Journal. According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection statistics, in December 2020, the last full month under President Donald Trump, the USBP, the Border Patrol, released 17 aliens, 17 aliens into the U.S. In December 2023, the most recent month for which statistics are available under Biden, the U.S. Border Patrol released 191,142 aliens into the U.S. So that's Biden doing everything possible to stop this border thing. And it's intentional. Here is Brett Baer recently questioning Alejandro Mayorkas, head of Homeland Security. Cut eight. Is it the objective of the Biden administration to reduce, sharply reduce the total number of illegal immigrants coming across the southern border? Is that the objective? It is the objective of the Biden administration to make sure that we have safe, legal and orderly pathways for individuals to be able to access our legal system. (laughs) That's your answer, folks. So Mitch McConnell, right, ranking, uh, (laughs) ranking. Republican leader in the Senate, he's basically a piggy bank. He's a hollow man who has nothing inside him except a place to put money. He he goes to his donors, he does what his donor says, and then he goes to the people and tells them that he's doing what they want, which he's just not. And he by holding up Ukraine aid, the Republicans forced the Biden administration to negotiate for a border bill. And Mitch McConnell sends poor Jim Lankford in as a decent guy. Uh, I think he's from Connecticut and moderately conservative voter, I think. He'd, I think Heritage gives him something like a 60, 62 or something percent rating. And he negotiates in good faith. And he comes out and he makes a rah-rah speech for his bill and says, we've got to do this. Republicans, we've got to do this. And Mitch McConnell is like, 
Jim Lankford never heard of him and tanks the bill, basically says, I'm not voting for the bill. So now the talking point from the open border people like MSNBC and the Wall Street Journal, the Wall Street Journal, who should be ashamed of themselves, is those mean Republicans didn't take the W. This had stopped catch and release and it made it harder to claim asylum. This was great. But Biden has all the power, as we saw from the what Jeff Anderson wrote about, the fact that there were 17 people released in the month before he took office. Biden has the power to stop this right now. We don't need a bill. He has all the power he needs. Trump did it. He can do it. It was stopped under Trump. Biden even said when the bill failed, he said, if they don't pass this bill, I'll have to close this border myself. And I was like, oh, no, not that. Oh, heaven forfend. So the bill lets thousands of people in a day and says, oh, we've got to close the if if the bill had passed, they would have had to close the border instantaneously because so many people were coming are already coming in. Who believes that Biden's going to do that? He could do it now. He's not doing it. He's not going to do any of the things they say. All he will do is take the win that now he's allowed to bring this many people in. So it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and then Trump, again, who's a big mouth. He he came out and said, don't do this because I want the the issue. Why give them a political win? And actually, you know, it's a it's an election year. That's politics as usual. It's not like Trump is an evil guy or anything, but he might have kept his mouth shut because it just looks bad. But talk about saying the quiet stuff out loud. Here's Chris Murphy from Connecticut. Langford's not from Connecticut. It's Chris Murphy who's from Connecticut. Uh, Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut comes on MSNBC and Chris Hayes tries to get him to blame the Republicans for the bill. And listen to what comes out of Murphy's mouth. The negotiation didn't have a path to citizenship. It was entirely on their terms in order to get Ukraine funding, right? Well, I mean, Chris, that's been a failed play for 20 years. So you are right that that has been the Democratic strategy for 30 years, maybe. uh, And it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. Uh, sorry, uh, who do you care about most? I'm sorry, just a, just a minute. I, I'm having a little, I'm getting old here. My hearing's not what it used to be. Who do you care about most? You care about the undocumented, the illegal aliens who have broken in illegally and alienated into our countries? That's who you care about most? Well, yes, it is, because they think they're the voters of tomorrow. I mean, obviously, that's the only reason. And the Wall Street Journal is living in some foggy past, some foggy businessman past where they're going to come and do their lawns for them. I don't know what the hell they're thinking about. You know, I'm I'm not an ethnocentric guy. I like living in a multi-ethnic country. I like it. It seems fun. The food is good. If we don't kill each other, if the Democrats would just shut up and stop dividing us, we all really get along pretty well on the street. You know, it's like we don't have to be friends. We just have to live together. I, I like that. I'm not an ethnocentric guy. But you guys can't lift out uh, a bunch of people from one place and put them here and have them magically turn into America, especially when the regime, by which I mean the media, the academy, the government, the deep state, all of those places hate America. They want to teach them that we're all racist, we're terrible, and the only thing you can do is get money, give us money. We want rep- restoration. We want reparation, money, money, money. That's all they're teaching them about America. So why would... The, why would we want them in our country? Why would we want to bring in these people? And by the way, in the count of how many people came in, they only counted people from the southern border who were literally coming across from the next country, from Mexico and down south uh, across the border. They didn't count Chinese. They didn't count, you know, Muslims who were coming in from the Middle East. So the whole thing was just an absolute boondoggle. 
When you go from 17 illegals in a month under Trump to 200,000 under Biden, who is going to buy the idea that the border is secure? It, it's complete government lockdown. It's a complete desertion of duty because we had we had the majority before and they didn't build the wall. They didn't stop the influx. They did some uh, good with Trump basically fighting every step of the way to get it through. But this is this is just a complete failure of these people. These people are not on our side. And by these people, I mean our government, who's supposed to work for us. No one is coming to save us but Jesus, and absolutely everybody sucks completely. So uh, let's take a look at the, the final chapter, which is gorillas in the forum. Beam's Dream Powder. I love this stuff. It knocks you right out. It really helps you sleep. It contains a powerful all-natural blend of ingredients, including magnesium L-theanine. I have to be honest. I don't even know what that is, but it surely does put you to sleep. I used it. It works. It's not just your run-of-the-mill sleep aid. It's a concoction carefully crafted to help you slip into the sweet embrace of rest without the grogginess that often accompanies other sleep remedies. Sleep is the foundation of our mental and physical health. I wouldn't know, obviously. You must have a constant nighttime routine to function at your best. Today, my listeners get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar, now available in delicious flavors. And they really do taste good. Cinnamon cocoa, chocolate peanut butter, mint chip, better sleep has never tasted better. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth. I personally use that frothy machine just because I thought it was so much fun. You can enjoy it before bedtime. If you find yourself battling the bedtime blues, give it a shot. Your weary self will thank you. If you want to try Beam's best-selling dream powder, take advantage of their New Year's sale for 40% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash Clavin and use code Clavin at checkout. That's shopbeam.com slash Clavin with my promo code Clavin for up to 40% off your order if, and only if, you know how to spell Claven. There are no E's. I just make it look this easy. There are no E's in Claven. So this is a personal story, just to give you my impressions of what exactly, where exactly we are, which is, if you want to be cheered up, this probably won't cheer you up, but at least it's, I feel it's better to know than not to know. I had a night in the theater last week. And I love going to the theater for all kinds of things. And a lot of times what happens is my wife will send me an email while I'm working and I'll kind of sign off on it. And that's what I did this time, or I won't. And I, I did it this time without really paying attention. It was something I probably didn't want to go to in the first place, but I did. And it's Seth MacFarlane, the guy who created Family Guy and I think Ted and a lady named Elizabeth Gillies, Liz Gillies of a show called Victorious, which I know nothing about, but they were doing singing. They were singing. Now, I don't happen to like Family Guy. I think it's, I, I know a lot of conservatives do like it. They think it's politically incorrect, but I don't actually think it is politically correct. I think it's naughty. You know, they say naughty things, but it actually is quite a, uh, you know, conformist show. And Seth MacFarlane backed uh, Bernie Sanders. He's a total leftist, but he gets away with this kind of naughty boy thing and conservatives like that. Again, it's this these conservative gestures without actual conservatism. However, he is a hyper-talented voice guy, and this is something I know. My father was one of the greatest voice guys who ever lived. He does fantastic voices, and he does a lot of them in Family Guy. And he's obviously kind of a troubled guy because he's always making jokes about how much he drinks and how unhappy he is. 
Liz Gillies, on the other hand, can actually sing. And, and McFarlane doesn't have a bad singing voice, but it's okay. But Liz Gillies can actually sing. And they were singing the kinds of songs that I actually love, which is the American Songbook. And they had an excellent, excellent orchestra behind them, peppered with excellent Hollywood musicians. So this is the kind of thing. This is just a brief clip of the kind of thing they were singing. Someday your memory's gonna fail. You'll be exhausted when you inhale. You'll need bifocals to read really? the mail. I'll find your jokes are a wee bit stale. Oh, you may look like December. It's May, I'm gonna remember. You will always be my turtle All right, so this is... Uh, I happen to like this kind of music. They didn't sing the greatest songs from that era, but they sang some kind of obscure ones, which I thought was interesting. And they're second rate. I mean, she's she actually has a, a voice. But there, when I was a kid, there used to be a team called Steve and Edie, Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. They were married, and they were like on the second to third tier of the kind of Frank Sinatra. If Frank Sinatra, Bing, and Ella Fitzgerald and Satchmo, if they were the number one tier, Steve and Edie were kind of two or three down the road. They were fine. They were trying that same kind of, you know, little gab jokes, very stilted. So this is like a second-rate version of a second-rate version of the great guys from that era. So already I'm kind of like sitting in this theater. And you know, but the songs are still good. And and just to give you the setting, this was in the Kennedy Center. The Kennedy Center is beautiful. It is a luxurious place. I was there with my wife and we went to the diner, not even to the restaurant. The restaurant was booked. So we went to the diner and I ordered a glass of wine. It cost $40 to get a glass of white wine. I mean, seriously, this is a place where you're not going if you're saving up for any, like food. You're not going to the Kennedy Center. So it's very, very fashionable people. These are young, a lot of young, you know, professionals in D.C. making some money. And they're going to the Kennedy Center to see Seth MacFarlane because they've seen him on TV. And in between these songs, and I believe this period of songwriting was the greatest period of music in American history. I believe everything after it has been not as good. But this was the moment when Cole Porter and Irving Berlin and all these guys were writing, and guys like Bing Crosby and Louis Armstrong and um, Sinatra and Ella were inventing the American style of music. So this was from the great moment in America, basically through the war, World War II, and after the war. In between this... All McFarlane does is tell dirty jokes with the F word and all this stuff. And they're kids all over the place. They're little kids watching the whole thing. And anti-Trump jokes and anti-God jokes. He's famously an atheist. Uh, He said he was glad that people were worshiping ChatGPT because it was better than God because at least ChatGPT exists. Endless cursing, really, really low, you know, kind of uh, jokes about, you know, rap songs, all this stuff. And so we're sitting in this luxurious place, and the audience is kind of enthusiastic, about half, well, maybe a little more, we're cheering. It's obviously Washington's a, a liberal town. And he's making fun of the Trump voters who tend to be people who are not at the Kennedy Center, if you see what I mean, who are not going to the Kennedy Center. So these multi, multi, multi millionaires, certainly Seth MacFarlane is one of the hyper successful people in California, are making jokes about people who have no voice, people whose only voice is Donald Trump, people who can only be heard 
by voting for Donald Trump because he's the only guy who gets the regime, by which I mean both the Republicans and the Democrats, gets them upset enough to wake up and pay attention to them. At least, at least they're prosecuting Trump. At least they're not ignoring him the way they do with the people who vote for him, which they've ignored for all this time. And they're singing these beautiful songs from a time when show business was actually kind of inspiring and uplifting. Now, listen, Frank Sinatra wasn't a good person. He was sleeping with two hookers at the same time every night. You know, Bing Crosby was the same way. He was not a, he was not a good guy. I'm not talking about the, the people who were performing this stuff. I'm talking about the country they were singing into. They were singing into a country that was better healthier than this one. You know, and you always have to say, you're always supposed to say, we weren't perfect. That's the most childish thing anybody ever says about anything. Nothing is ever perfect. It's just filled with people. It was a healthier, mentally healthier time, the 50s and the early 60s. And they're seeing this stuff and they can't bring it out of their mouth without hating on people who can't afford to be there and without cursing and without just this filth coming out. And I was thinking about the Forum. I don't know if you've ever seen the Roman Forum. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's the ruins of the center of ancient Rome. And it's just gorgeous because it's this haunted place. And you look there and you can see the, the senators coming together and the togas and all this stuff. This was like that because the theater was so beautiful and they're singing the best songs America ever wrote. And it was like watching gorillas in the Forum in togas. That's what it was like watching. It was like watching these slobs, these people who don't have the common decency to respect the audience, who can't afford the things that they can afford, who can't come to the places where they entertain. They couldn't even give them a minute of respect. And then they wonder why they're angry. Why are they voting for Donald Trump? We don't care. We're just going to put him in jail. We don't care why they're voting for it. We're just going to put him in jail. And I, I could really feel the, the rage that people feel. And you know what I've said to you a million times, anger is the devil's cocaine. It feels like righteousness, but it's not, and it makes you make mistakes, and I believe that's true. But how can you help but be angry when these dazzling, rich, talented people just treat you like garbage and act like apes? How how can you? You know, as H.L. Mencken once said, a very witty, bad person, but he once said, democracy is the theory that the common people know what they want, and they deserve to get it good and hard. And I'm looking at this moment in history, and it's a historical moment. This is not something that's going to go away real fast, and it's something that's going to have to be cured, and it's something that we're going to have to come up with a solution for. Something has ended. Something real has ended, and something new will begin. But I think we better sit down and really, really think about what's true and what's not true, who's lying and who's not lying, and decide what it is we want to begin, because whatever we want, Eventually, we're going to get it good and hard. All right, here is a major announcement. Mark your calendars for the epic return of Backstage. After almost a year away filming the Pendragon Cycle, the God King Jeremy Boring is back. Joined by Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Candace Owens, Michael Knowles, and me. Join us this Tuesday at 7 p.m., Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, as we go behind the scenes beyond the headlines. There's a lot to cover, so you won't want to miss a minute. Watch the show live exclusively on Daily Wire Plus, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. You do not want to miss it. Also, Super Bowl 
I got to be the Super Bowl 58 or LV 111 is this Sunday. I'll be there February 11th. But instead of being subjected to the woke commentary and discussions of Taylor Swift every two seconds, join Crane and Company's live stream to enjoy the matchup. They'll be going live at 6.15 p.m. Eastern. So tune in on Daily Wire Plus or the Crane and Company YouTube channel for live betting and play-by-play analysis. All right, Clavin Clapbacks. He rides a bike. Yeah! <laughs> he does. It's so true. If you want to be a part of Clavin Clapbacks, write to clavenclapbacks at dailywire.com. Both Clavin and Clapbacks are spelled with a K. Clapbacks at dailywire.com. We love to hear from you. Whether you agree with me or whether you're wrong, we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, the first one is from Logan. He says, Clavinon, could you describe what your opinion is on the integrity of Scripture? Did God allow the apostles to write moral, theological, or any other type of error into the text of Scripture? Is Scripture inerrant? Um, so I, I'm not quite sure how to say this without sounding like I'm insulting you, and I'm not insulting you. It's a perfectly reasonable, perfectly intelligent question. And that, But but it actually, when you dig down into it, it doesn't really make sense. And I'll tell you why. It's not that I believe, I believe the scripture is inspired. And I believe that the Bible is the truth, the truth that God wants us to have about himself. That is what I believe. But that doesn't solve as many problems as you think it does. Everybody's looking for certainty in the world. The Catholics want to believe the Pope can be infallible. Protestants want to believe the Scripture can be infallible uh, or, or inerrant. But in fact, we live in a human world. So even language is not a precise thing. It's a rude tool for communicating things. So just for instance, one of the lines that is in the Bible, like in Paul, is the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. That means if you read the Bible literally, you can't read the Bible literally. That is what that means. Now, people say, well, that's not what it means. That's exactly what he's talking about. He's saying, if you follow the letter of the law, you will not get it. But if you follow the spirit of the law, you understand better what God is having to say. So you can't really read things, everything in the Bible literally. Obvious example, Jesus says to Peter after his resurrection, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. Does Peter go, oh my God, the guy died without feeding his sheep. They're going to be so hungry. I better run and feed. No, of course not. He understands that he's talking in metaphors. But what does the metaphor refer to? Well, we would say, you know, it refers to his followers, make sure that they hear the word of God. That's what we say. But metaphors can be very complicated and ways of expression, especially Jesus, who was a Jew and spoke like a Jew with kind of metaphor in a metaphorical and sometimes overblown way. So Jesus says, then, then there's a problem also, most of us are reading it, I've, I've read the Gospels in Greek, but usually I'm reading it in English, and Jesus says, if you have lust in your heart, that's the same as committing adultery. And that has made generations of people feel guilty about the fact that when they look at a girl, they think she's cute and it, it feels good to feel that she's cute. That's not what he's talking about. The words in Greek really mean if you crave a woman, if you look at her with uh, covetousness, like violating one of the Ten Commandments to covet her. Well, I look at women all the time and enjoy their beauty. And, and I, that, that, that is inherently, by definition, an erotic experience. But I don't crave them. I don't commit adultery with them in their heart. So it's like these things are a lot harder to understand and to interpret. And what happens to a lot of people is their particular church, their particular preacher, the book that they read tells them that it means this. And I get letters from them all the time saying, no, this is what it means. Well, no, that's an interpretation. And there are, you can't, 
It's not that they have no meaning. It's that you have to bring the meaning to language all the time. And language limits the meaning you can bring to things. A man can't become a woman, for instance, but it doesn't completely define things perfectly. Another example that always bothers, that always comes into my mind when people ask about things like this is when Jesus is tempted by the devil, the devil quotes scripture. He quotes the words of scripture. That he will send his angels to bear you up so you don't dash your foot against the stone. Well, he, are those lines true when the devil speaks them? Is that the inerrant truth when he speaks? Well, of course it's not, because as Shakespeare said, the devil can quote scripture to his purposes. So then it's not scripture in these things. So this is the way that I regard the Bible. I read the Bible as the history of a people's learning to know God. I do not believe that, you know, they always say the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. That's true. But the mind of the Old Testament is not, the the human mind of the Old Testament is not the human mind of the New Testament. And as we develop and as we evolve, and as God teaches us things, that's what he does with the law. Well, you know, even Paul says this, he teaches us that we can't be righteous. We can't follow the rules. Even even those things that he teaches us, then we can see. And that's why I believe that Jesus comes when he comes, because the people are supposed to be, at least some of the people are supposed to be ready to receive them. And in fact, some of the people are. And so that's the way I read scripture. And the question of whether it is inerrant doesn't really occur to me because I don't even know what that means with language, but I do believe it's inspired. And I do believe it's the truth that God wants us to have about himself. And with that, we're going into member block. And it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe, because if you are not a member, the Clavenless Darkness is upon you. Become a member today. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Claven at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe and use code Claven at checkout for two months free. Come to Member Block. We all love to get out on the open road, see the country, feel the wind in our hair. But if you have the same car you've been driving for years, you might not feel so great after a car breakdown, unless you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield is America's most trusted vehicle protection company, and for almost 20 years, they've helped Americans protect their out-of-warranty vehicles. From car and trucks to SUVs, a plan through CarShield can protect up to 5,000 parts and systems and save you big dollars on your engine, transmission, entertainment system, and more. It's as easy as going to carshield.com slash Shapiro. With plans that include unlimited miles, road trips have never been easier. Plus, you get exclusive access to CarShield's concierge service, as well as 24-7 roadside assistance and help with flat or damaged tires, lockouts, and rental car options. Call CarShield to speak with an expert here in the U.S. that can answer all your questions and get you a free quote in minutes. Don't wait another minute. Visit CarShield now before a breakdown happens and you get stuck with an expensive repair bill. Save 20% and get your free quote by going to carshield.com Shapiro now. That's carshield.com Shapiro to save 20% today.